Welcome back, everybody, to the choir room as we continue on with our character studies. Today, talking about some very, very fun characters that I am super excited to get into. Uh, we have no songs to get into for these two particular characters today, which means we have all the time in the world to talk about the insanity that ensues with both Principal Figgins and Becky Jackson. So I am very excited to get into it. Of course, alongside my co-host, Aman Adwin. Aman, how are you today? I hope you're not talking about gay blame. I am excited because this is the podcast you have all been waiting for. The real star of Glee, okay? You know, fuck Rachel Berry. I can't really bring myself to say fuck Santana Lopez, so maybe I'll just hold off on that If you did, I would end the call right here, right now. <laughs> but, you know, I'll, I'll say, you know what, let's let's leave Santana alone for the, for the time being. Screw Finn Hudson. Screw uh, the, 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 the kitty wilds of the world. This well, is the easy. moment that we have been waiting for. V or Bex, Becky V Jackson. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. The Queen of England herself uh, is uh, the topic or one of the topics of today's discussion. Um, I'm very excited for both of these characters to get a little bit of uh, time in the sun. Originally, we had uh, planned for this to be a Figgins and Karofsky podcast. But then, uh, I don't know, the way that it all ended up shaking out. Karofsky, I'm sorry, my friend, you are not going to uh, get your own podcast. But we'll have plenty to talk about for him in Kurt and Blaine's podcast. Uh, Figgins is also somebody who is going to come up in... A lot, come up a lot more in uh, the podcast for like Will and for um, pretty much like every character at one point or another enters his office. So, you know, what we're going to focus on with him is not specifically like his storylines as they relate to, you know, like every time somebody comes in his office, we're not talking about all that, but just kind of him as a whole, uh, things that do play out specifically for his character. And then, yes, of course, when we get to uh, Becky Jackson, one of uh, my favorite characters at one time when, I, when we started this podcast, I said potentially my top four I'm still not sure about all that, but uh, definitely one of my favorites. So this will be a lot of fun. Uh, Principal Figgins, Iqbal Thiba is the actor there. And of course, uh, Lauren Potter, who portrays the incredible Becky Jackson. And uh, we just got to love them both. Even even if there's Fire Figgins, you know, running rampant throughout the streets of the choir room audiences, uh, still got to sit down and appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Shout out to Principal Figgins. It's a very, very fo- small small shout out to principal figgins but yeah we'll be covering his incompetent ass as well um because if anything that's uh, worth podcasting about it's about the incompetence of one principal figgins so yeah this should be this should be an interesting one yeah, so without you know any further ado, we'll uh, let's get right into it. We're going to talk about Principal Figgins first, and as I mentioned, we're not going to get deeper into like every single thing that that happens with him. Uh, you're going to hear a lot about Figgins' interactions as they usually pertain to some of the sorry to him uh, more important characters. Uh, so you know, every time that Will and Sue come into the, his office, a lot of that has to do more with uh, them than with him. So, um, but overall, what do we know about Principal Figgins? Um, I love the description that came on the uh, Glee Wiki, which is where we get most of our notes. 
notes, uh, you know, from is uh, hard headed and penny pinching uh, that he wants to, you know, have a safe and stable learning environment. But as we see, it does not always go down that easily. Um, Sue constantly in his office, uh, very easily kind of bullying him into submission, whether it's through some kind of blackmail or something like that. Um, he's been the principal at McKinley for a while since 1986, I believe, is what we hear. Um, and he's kind of just serves throughout the whole show as like this ultimate obstacle That's that the main characters. That's a long time. Um, he kind of serves as like this ultimate obstacle that like all of the main characters have to overcome in order to like achieve their own success at certain points, whether it's like a one episode arc or like an entire season. You know, Figgins is the one who sets the stakes saying, you know, Will, you have to have your Glee Club win at regionals in season one or there's no Glee Club anymore. So they have to get around him at all times in order to, you know, to progress. Yeah, uh, there's a uh, in literature, there's a word for not like the main antagonist of the show, because that would be Sue, but like the one that's like under the antagonist. Um, I forget what the term is, but that would be what Principal Figgins is, because he is always just like that one nagging uh, thorn in the side of the Glee Club and Mr. Shoe during season one. Like, oh, no money here, no money there, no money here. Like, you don't get any money. You don't get any money. You don't get any money. It's like the, the opposite of Oprah. He's the anti-Oprah. <laughs> It's just it's it's crazy. Um, but yeah, he's that's from 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 jump. Um, he presents everything that has to do with the McKinley budget as like life or death. It's very dire. It's like you either succeed as a club or you can get the boot because we need the money to for what? I don't know, because it doesn't look like they ever get any real additions to the school. Like, so I don't really ne- I don't ever understand that. Like they even he even goes so far. I think it's in season two where he's talking about how he has to rent out the school to like SAT prep or some night classes or something. I'm like, is the school district really that hard up for cash? Like, what is going on here? Mm hmm. Yeah, that's 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 the uh, what we get presented right throughout the whole show about the budget, the budget, the budget. It's always about not having enough money for uh, everybody to be happy. The football team, the Cheerios, the Glee Club, uh, all of that ends up falling down on Figgins' shoulder as, you know, the guy who has to be the one, the bearer of bad news to everybody. But it's not just, you know, him getting that kind of like, you know, he has to do that because it's his job. Uh, obviously, principal of the school, a lot also falls on your shoulders whenever like important issues come up. And uh, just Figgins always handle them the best that's uh, up for debate and uh, you know, i think no. a lot of that say it again i said hell no hell no yeah uh, i mean that's why hashtag fire figgins exists so yeah um we'll we'll talk about some of that as we go and uh also you know my other top note about figgins is the fact that he is uh, you know, principal of the school, but also like often the guy who is hosting assemblies, the MC at the proms, uh, introducing the competitions for all of like the new directions. Uh, every competition is like, and introducing like, why is he doing every single job there? Usually you have like a teacher that like steps into that kind of role, but like just always funny when they use him for that way. So uh, as bad as he could be at his job, at least we get the comedic relief along the way. Yeah, he reminds me of the, the character, and it's a very obscure character. I don't know if how many of you are going to get this reference, but there's a, a character in um the uh, I was about to say the Penny Proud series in the Proud family. Um, her name is Miss Hightower, and she's like she's always really really quiet when she's trying to announce something to the kids, and then she'll just lose patience and then say something like "Quiet, you future hamburger flippers." Yeah, so he uh he has quite a few interesting announcements that he'll routinely give out during uh, an assembly or a Glee Club performance or whatever. One of my favorites being, first, I would like to address the rumor 
that I like to be milked like a cow because my breasts are filled with delicious wholesome milk. It is untrue. <laughs> and Stoner Brett is like, yeah, like, like you know that Stoner Brett is the one that just came up with that. Literally insane. Uh, the, the school has no, you know, no proper uh, administration. It's, it's, it's lawless. a lawless land. Uh, you know, it's supposed to be run by Principal Figgins, but is it actually? And, you know. He will get replaced uh, time and time again uh, from his position, even though he's been there since 1986. But, you know, that's the way that uh, things are going to shake out. Uh, When we meet him in season one, Principal Figgins, head of McKinley High School, he is, you know, very concerned about the budget, uh, which, you know, uh, as the Glee Wiki states, uh, often presents him as uh, unnecessarily cheap. So uh, absolutely, you know, the best way to sum that all up, that it's just like, you know, uh, hey, Figgins, can we have like, you know, $20 to go get like hats for everybody in the Glee Club? No, not happening. It's not in the budget. Um, but Will has to get through Figgins in order to get the Glee Club started up in the first place. And Figgins gives him a hard time, of course, setting that stipulation that if they succeed at regionals, then he'll be able to have this club. Otherwise, this is a bust. It's not happening. Of course, this also is going to play into everything with Will and Sue for this first season, as uh, Figgins is uh, going to be the one that has to decide where the money comes from for the Glee Club. Kind of, kind of ends up coming from Sue and the Cheerios. So that causes a lot of tension there. Um, and to just, you know, quickly talk about season one as a whole here, it's uh, by the end of the season, of course, we're going to see they don't win at regionals. But, uh, you know, getting a, a long way around how everything ends up going, Sue is going to end up convincing Figgins to give them one more year, um, pretty much because Sue has spent almost the entire year blackmailing uh, Principal Figgins. And that's a, tr- a trend that is going to pop up uh, time and time again. Yeah, I mean, she threatens to upload this embarrassing video of him modeling socks for an airline. Uh, I think she even sneaks into his bed at one point. I don't know what she did with his wife. Like, I don't know where the hell she was. Oh, wait, wait, didn't she drug him beforehand? And then it was a a motel. It was a motel. Like, she drugged him one night, got him to a hotel, snapped a a picture of the two of them in the bed with her tracksuit still on. Um, So, yeah, it's just a, a running gag. Uh, that she is just going to do whatever she can to get one over on on Figgins. And sometimes it works in the beginning because Figgins seems genuinely terrified of her. And then other times, like, Figgins, like, will we'll clap back and be like, oh, Sue, I uploaded that shit myself. It only got two hits. Like, try again, girl. Like, are you going to keep doing this dance all year long? Because I, 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 I'm, I'm ready for it. So mm-hmm. as much as he has in, as as much as he is incompetent, he still manages to uh, be a worthy adversary for Sue some of the time. Yeah. It's going to do a lot to tell us just how far Sue is willing to go, right? To like, you know, blackmail her boss uh, and get away with it. So that is, uh, you know, something that we keep an eye on in the uh, early seasons, uh, especially here in season one. And yeah, the the fact that Figgins is eventually going to put up that socks video online himself and like nobody cares, like not a single person gives a shit about his socks video um, that she was like so expecting that he would care about. Um, so yeah, uh, that's not going to do much, but it does end up, you know, Sue getting the upper hand essentially by the end of the year with, uh, getting Figgins to give the Glee Club one more year because yada, yada, yada. Um, but also the other highlight for Figgins, I guess, specifically in season one is when we're going to learn about his fear of vampires, uh, specifically one Tina Cohen Chang that he's very concerned about walking around the school dressed as she does. Yeah. Which Tina takes full advantage of, doesn't she? Uh, yeah. Interesting. Interesting little bit of lore. I would. I wonder the backstory behind that, or is it just the phobia that he's always had? Oh, he's. I don't know. He's terrified. Uh, <laughs> you know, he literally has to tell her, "Don't dress like this anymore, or you're going to be like suspended." And she ends up, you know, having uh, a hard time. 
with that. There's no place at McKinley. Um, and she, I mean, he, he doesn't get over it. Like, even going into, like, season three, we have, like, Mike Chang and his dad come in for a meeting there in the Asian F episode. And uh, he still hasn't let it go. He's talking about how Tina Cohen Chang and her vampire ways have no place in this school. It's like, just let her go. Like, let her be. She's going to graduate. Like, you are scared. Jeez. I mean, I mean, she was pretty aggressive talking about sucking the curry flavored blood out of his neck or something. I was like, oh, God, girl. Like, yeah, like I how guess. far are you going to take this joke? But she didn't have to go that far if he didn't, you know, present uh, if, he, if he wasn't so afraid of her in the first place. He brought this upon himself. But um, but yeah, so, of course, uh, we're going to see a lot of him in uh, pretty much all the seasons, but especially as we're in these early days of the show, as he is uh, really going to be the obstacle that the Glee Club has to overcome. Uh, we get into season two, we get a pretty iconic line from him uh, about key dollar sign ha when he's introducing <laughs> Tick and, and also now talk. performing the hit single Tick and also talk by rapper key dollar sign ha. <laughs> the new directions. <laughs> Um, but this is going to be the in season two, we actually get uh, Sue taking over his job for the first time, which is going to show us, you know, potentially what's to come later on down the line. Yeah, um, there's a it's Sue. I mean, what, what what happens? Oh, yeah, she gets she gets Lauren to get him sick. He gets fired eventually. Um, and then they have to rehire him after Sue's like. Um, Sue has to like resign because she is not in agreement with how the school board chose to handle Karovsky being brought back to uh, the school. Yeah, so Figgins is brought back on board to be the principal. And one of the first things that he does is uh, enlist the Glee Club to perform a musical number talking about the dangers of alcohol, which is, you know, as Mercedes says, good luck finding a song that does that <laughs> drunkily. <laughs> and they vomit everywhere and Figgins comes to them afterwards when they all think that they're going to be in trouble. And he's like, oh, that was a great job. Like, congratulations on all of you for a very effective fake vomit skit. Yeah, like they are completely shocked that they were able to get away with that. But of course, you know, Figgins, naive as hell, would never imagine that they had, you know, just been drinking backstage, which is why <laughs> they were drunk out of their minds. But um, mm -hmm. yeah. He congratulates them because there hasn't been any um, signs of teen drunkenness since then. What the fuck? Again, it was like cough syrup and Oreos and God knows what else. I don't know. He gets so many calls from all the different parents at the school. He's like, uh, I don't know. Maybe he's just too busy to even think clearly <laughs> at some of these times. But I mean, look, uh, somebody's got to do that and think clearly. So you know what? Hashtag fire figgins. I don't mean hashtag hire Sue, but... You know, hashtag fire figgins is, uh, you know, a campaign for a reason. Um, and I love that, like when people go through uh, some of these early podcasts, like a lot of people, you know, we, we started this how many months ago, almost a year at this point, And people that are just starting for the first time, like that's the thing they latch on to uh, the hashtag fire figgins. And I just I, I always find that so funny. <laughs> It's like, because yes, it's him. just true. It's just it's it's a it's a movement, Matt. It's a uh, it's a national call for attention to this crisis that is still going on. As far as I can remember, my principal was nowhere near as uh, which is a good thing, right? Because an actual principal that's not on the TV show, you would hope is a, a better principal than Figgins. But um, I mine was like I think like, like I don't know. There's a couple that you know I remember. Uh, couple we you went through. We went through principal in, in my elementary school. It's not high school, but we went through 
three principles. Like every year we had a different principal. I can't remember kindergarten, but I know first grade was different, second grade was different, third grade was different, and my mom finally decided to pull us from the school. I finally got a a real principal for fourth and fifth grade. Then the principal that I had for sixth grade ended up being my my principal all the way up until graduation because my school became my middle school became a six through twelve school. So mm-hmm. I've certainly had my fair share of principals in life, and none of them, even the bad ones back in elementary school, were as bad as Pickens. <laughs> <laughs> He's a special kind of guy. Uh, we go into season three, and uh, just some highlights from that season are uh, kind of like midway through the uh, beginning portion of the season when he's giving Brittany and Santana a hard time for them showing PDA. And doesn't he say something in there about how, like, trust me, I would much rather see the two of you, uh, you know, with your PDA over uh, Finn and Rachel or whoever yeah, else. But like... <laughs> yeah, he has, like, some really inappropriate comments towards some of the female students in the... Not even just the Greek club, but just the kids in general. It's kind of bad. I don't know if it's Britney 2.0, that whatever that whenever it comes up at some point about how uh, Britney, you know, last year she was walking around the hallway with no underwear on and she like, you know, it was like very clear to everybody and Figgins made it like presented it in some kind of way, right? That it was like he didn't mind. Yeah. <laughs> Unless I'm misremembering yeah. that, but it's, it, was, it sounds no, like something it was that something happened. Like that. It was definitely something like that. It was... uh. <laughs> it was it was not very it was not very kosher. Like I mean, it's shit. Like yeah. Sue, you trying to get him fired? Blackmail him with that. Get a recording of him saying something like that. Then he'll right. never see the light of day ever again. In lesbians. Uh, but season three is actually going to be where we first hear the possibility or the idea of uh, from Coach Roz Washington, who has now showed up at the school, the idea of her and Sue potentially uniting against Figgins. But then, like, it never happens. Yeah, no, that's uh, no, no, no. Uh, it it never does happen, and it's it's like one of the uh, greatest misses narratively of this season. Like, I mean, I understand like the comedy of Roz versus Sue that was great. We got a lot of good material from that, but I really wanted that uh that team up. I really, really wanted that, but no, nope, no. It's it's not going to happen then and there, but like because that is the end of season three. We go through all of season yeah. four, and Figgins is still in his in his spot in the office there. But season five, he is going to eventually uh, be given some new jobs as Principal uh, Figgins will no longer be his title. Will still be his name. We'll get to that. Um, but no longer his title at the school. Uh, Sued plants some incriminating evidence in his office. He ends up getting arrested there, uh, but obviously released pretty quickly uh, and ends up taking a new job at the school as a janitor where Sue is going to make his life a living hell. Yeah, uh, he finally got him up out of there, right? Like, <laughs> lots Took of incriminating evidence after four seasons of bullshit. You finally got him on something. Like, what, what? Did they even really specify what it was? Um, I don't remember. It, it was. was like, I think it was something to do with like betting and gambling and shit like that. And like, it was something. It's some. Yeah, it was something like that. It was something illegal activity. I don't know. Right. But yeah, no, so he's, uh, yeah, Sue's going to make his life a living hell. She's like spilling a bucket of meat all over the floor. There was like expired meat everywhere uh, to make him clean it up. And, you know, we just end up seeing him spend the whole rest of the season walking around the hallway in his janitor uniform while Sue is out here running the school. Uh, you know, kind of both of them tried to do their best to run the school into the ground. But Sue is obviously way more concerned about, you know, her Cheerios. And eventually, you know, she, she wants to have the power. So uh, even if like she's not doing everything in the way that as, uh, a viewer you're like oh this is helping the school she's helping herself every step of the way so uh you know she's doing some stuff along the way but yeah uh janitor figgins what what an era there 
Yeah, um, it's it's surprising to me that if he was, you know, it fired for all of this, uh, quote unquote, incriminating evidence that the exact same school district would hire him again. But then again, when we find out who the superintendent, oh, no, she wasn't the superintendent. The uh, his sister was the other president or president. She was the principal at the other school. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I was gonna say it, it all would have made sense, but no, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. Like, why is he? Why? I mean, obviously, clearly. If he can't get another job as a principal, then he never should have had the principal job in the first place. Like, mm-hmm. incriminating evidence or not. Like, if you fall so steep down the ladder that you become a janitor, like, something was clearly amiss within that first application process. Like, I don't know what happened in 1986. Somebody must have been doing a lot of cocaine back then because it just doesn't make any huh? sense that his ass got hired at all. Yeah, you mentioned his sister, who, of course, we're going to meet in season six at uh, one of the close by schools, Abigail Figgins Gunderson, who is going to inform Will about how uh, she is Principal Figgins' sister, who, yes, his first name is Principal. So that is who we've been dealing with for six seasons now and just had no idea. That's his real first name. Principal is my brother. We are both took careers in high school administration. <laughs> like, why does she say it like that? And uh, at that point as well, like, so he's been working at the, as a janitor for this whole time. Um, but he also ends up having to get a job as uh, a part-time barista at the Lima bean, because in season five, uh, we have that, uh, the, the puppet master episode where there's a gas leak and, uh, the school board is walking around the school with Sue and Figgins ends up getting in uh, more trouble there because of the gas leak. And Figgins is like, I fixed it. Sue's fault that this came back. And she's like, no, no, I'm pretty sure this was your job. Uh, I'm actually going to cut your pay in half so that we can, you know, get more money back into the school. And the whole school board is like, oh, that's a great idea, Sue. Like you look at you taking charge. So now he's got like his hours cut in half, like pretty much just after, you know, he gets, after he gets replaced as principal, the rest of it is all downhill for him. Um, he ends up being like in as he's working at the Lima Bean, we get that scene where he recognizes Rachel and uh, she had just had her own like epic failure. And he ends up being like, you know what? Your story inspired me. And I feel so much better <laughs> about myself because of how I saw things play out with you. Um, but I mean, look, Figgins, don't get ahead of yourself. You're still, you know, things have not played out very well for you. I'm glad that you're still, you know, feeling optimistic in life. But uh, I don't know that I, uh, I I would feel the same if I was him. Yeah, I kind of wonder what, what you know, does end up happening with him. I mean, we do get to see him during Dreams Come True, and he's there with the rest of the adults and everything. But you do want to wonder, like, where does he go from here? You know, like, Sue obviously stops being the principal of the school at some point and becomes the vice president of the United States by 2020. So where the hell does, does Figgins end up? Like, does he stay a janitor? Does he get his principal spot back? Like, I don't know. Sounds like some fan fiction waiting to happen. Hit us with that uh, that line from the quarterback. New Santana Lopez is right, old Santana Lopez. Under the tyrannical jackboot of Sylvester regime, I am powerless, and I am too overcome with Finn Hudson-related grief to fight back. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, uh, as Santana comes back and they're all like messing with Finn's uh, Finn's uh, memorial. Did I ever tell memorial. you guys that I had um, a bird that would nest at the top of my uh, front door? Like the past three years, they would. It's a morning dove. Every spring, they would always come and they would always choose like this little window that sits above the top of our of our door, and we decided to call her Bird Santana Lopez. <laughs> but we, you have to say it. The way that principal figure says it, and then she you definitely she never told ever... this. Yeah, we, we we would talk to her every morning, and then we realized that with morning doves, 
the male is the one that sits on the nest during the daytime and the female is the one that comes and sits at the nest during the nighttime. So we were calling this male bird, bird Santana Lopez the entire time. So then we were like, okay, well then I guess when the, when the girl comes, we'll call her new Santana Lopez. <laughs> so we would just go back and forth between, is that bird Santana Lopez or new Santana Lopez? It was just, it was so fucking corny, but it was, it brought me so much joy. And then this past year, she didn't come back. Oh, I was no. so sad. Um, so I, uh, I think Principal Figgins is a, uh, a fun character as ridiculous as he is, as incompetent at his job as he is. Um, before we actually like close the book here on talking about him, uh, let me play this video that I did not watch yet. I saw, uh, like a couple, like, uh, I saw like 20 seconds of it. Apparently this is from the special features of the Glee season one DVD. So I want to listen to this and we'll watch it. And then, uh, let's see, uh, see our thoughts on it afterwards. Why, yes, I couldn't agree more. Oh, hello. I didn't see you there. If you're watching this video, you are an eighth grader about to begin your freshman year here at William McKinley High School. My name is Principal Figgins, and for the past 19 years, I have enjoyed my position as administrator, role model, and friend to all. The purpose of this video is to familiarize you with the warm confines of my office and its environs, and to impart several important learning techniques to help, in, to help ensure your two to six years here at William McKinley are happy and healthy. Now let me show you around. Oh, it appears my phone is ringing. Excuse me. Hello? Yes, this is Principal Figgins. Why, hello, safe and productive learning environment. So glad you called. When students arrive at my office with a problem or a query, they should wait quietly in this anteroom. This is my secretary, Donna. She has been married three times. Children, Donna is to be respected because she suffers from depression you can tell because she is a woman and she owns a cat. Now let me show you around. This is the door. It opens both in and out. Students should not hesitate to use my office as a resource. Who needs the World Wide Web when you have the convenience of several volumes of encyclopedia? Simply make an appointment with Donna two to three weeks in advance. This globe represents our diverse student body. At McKinley High, students come from as far away as Mexico. These miniature busts honor our two greatest presidents, Abraham Lincoln and William Shakespeare. I enjoy this painting because it reminds me of the farm I grew up on, except this farm is in Ohio and grows wheat. My family's farm is in Gujarat. We grow mangoes and are devastated by seasonal flooding. I have seen much death. Many people ask me, Principal Figgins, with respect, why do you have so many brass birds in your office? I'll tell you why. Because birds represent the dreams to which children must inspire. This school is a place where wings take dream because there's no I in misunderstanding 
and teamwork builds listening. All students must understand that a locker is a privilege, not a right. Locker do. Do use your locker to display photos of friends and precious high school memories. Locker don't. Don't use your locker to distribute hate literature and no human waste. This is the music room where children come to express the music that they feed in their hearts. Foreign languages are a fun way to experience other cultures. Take Spanish or French and say ole to a brand new understanding of cultural diversity. Bonjour, healthy learning environment. <whistles> Athletics are an important part of a student's life. A happy child is a fit child. My favorite sport is American football. Touchdown school spirit. But being principal isn't always fun and games. We work hard to carefully construct a safe learning environment through a rigorous code of discipline. Number one, no monkey shines. Number two, no sass back. Number three, no lollygagging. Lastly, children, remember that these next few years here at McKinley High School will be the greatest years of your life. You will form lasting friendships and learn the courage and discipline to become effective members of the workplace. So let's work together hand in hand to make a better world together. Yay! Go Titans! What the hell is okay. monkey shines? <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. Um, so that's a, a special feature from season one, and obviously you're listening to the audio of that. So uh, the what we were watching just now was Figgins walking all around the school and every different room that you heard him uh, sound like he was in of just staring into the camera. Obviously, you know, pretend or not like it was, it's always strange when like an actor has to be reading lines like on purpose. So obviously he's like pretending to be doing this badly. But um, I don't know. I just thought that that was uh, very funny, and I'm glad that that is. Uh, I'm glad. I'm glad I watched that. As crazy as that is, I have never seen this ever, ever before. This is this is crazy to me. <laughs> <laughs> they really had him working in season one. Like this is hilarious. Yeah. So um, I don't know. That's that's Principal Figgins. There's really not a whole lot more to uh, to get into specifically about him. You know, he's principal, uh, literally, and that's his name. Uh, you know, that's his name and his job for some period of time. Uh, not the most competent. Hashtag fire Figgins, but ultimately does not end up being the forever principal because we're going to give that to somebody else that's super incompetent. Uh, Will Schuster. So uh, we'll get to that with Will's podcast and plenty more to talk about with Figgins as he relates to a bunch of other characters that we still have yet to talk about. Um, but but anything else from you on uh, on Figgins here, on your boy? Man, I think I'm good. Let's finally right. fire him. Finally fire him here from the choir room. Uh, Iqbal Thiba, definitely a uh, a big cheerleader for the show, a big fan of, uh, like, the fact that he was on it. You can tell that um, that's something that definitely uh, he, I guess, an experience he enjoyed. I know he's done other things uh, since then, you know, some minor roles here and there. So uh, glad to see him still working every once in a while and seems like a good guy off the show, um, even if his character on the show was kind of, you know, insane. But... That is Principal Figgins, who is now officially fired from McKinley and from the choir room. And we are going to switch on over to talking about Becky Jackson. 
Yes, Miss Becky Becky Jackson, honey. I mean, what just a precious, precious character that I don't think anybody really foresaw becoming a fan favorite. Um, she sort of starts off in the background, but then quickly blossoms um, into this really, really, really important part of the show. Very funny. Uh, very, you know, in it, like it, it definitely made me view uh, people with Down syndrome in a different light. I mean, not that I ever thought poorly of any of them. I've known quite a few people with Down syndrome growing up as a kid. So I was always exposed to them very early on. But um, it was just nice to see some kind of representation on TV in a, in a, in a way that you don't usually see. So, yeah, I, I, Becky, just just so great. So great and just del- deliciously evil. Yeah, and I'll get to an article that I pulled uh, at some point because, uh, you know, as we've been doing with a lot of these characters, when there's, uh, you know, when they're kind of coming into the show representing like an entire disability uh, through, you know, this specific character's lens uh, here, uh, like I definitely want to hear perspective from others. So I do have an article, like a quick one uh, on that end of things. But what I was basically reading was just that um, people were appreciative that they brought a character onto the show, especially like at certain points to be like, um, you know, what, what I think maybe what they felt people usually think of people with down syndrome or just that they're like the sweet innocent like just very like like a very one note one tone kind of person Mm -hmm. not thinking that like they could actually have more of a personality because you don't actually i guess get to know them more if you you know don't have anybody with down syndrome in your life so i I saw some appreciation of the fact that becky is such a big character with a big personality that like doesn't hold back and all that kind of stuff to show you that like not just to be like oh, anybody with Down syndrome can be as evil as Becky ends up being or anything like that. Obviously, this character ended up becoming uh, a lot more of like comedic relief over the course of the show. Um, but just to show that there can be more there. And then I also saw some criticisms about how sometimes it went too far to be to the point of like, okay, we get it. Um, you didn't have to go this crazy with it. You didn't have to go this far. Yeah, there definitely are some, some really... Uh, <laughs> I mean, I feel like especially towards the end of the series, there were just, like, scenes where I'm just like, okay, Becky, all righty then. Like, it leans a little too heavy into the role. Um, but as she's coming on and as she's blossoming, it's definitely a really cool thing to see. Definitely. Yeah, it's like when when we do get to the parts of the character that are so like iconic and so, like, I like love so much and uh, you and, you know, a bunch of Glee fans, I'm sure, also love a lot of what we get of Becky in later seasons. I do understand, uh, you know, a lot of the criticism, if uh, more people besides the couple of articles that I read feel that way of just like, um, it ends up being, you know, it's like, are we just using this character to say these things because she has downs and that's what makes it extra funny? Cause it, it, it does kind of feel a little weird at some points like that. Um, I don't know. You know, I, I can't speak yeah, for I mean, in that community though. Yeah. I, I mean, by any means. Right. I, I can't, I, I I'm, I'm interested. To, I mean, maybe we should just start off with the article um, because I mean, I, I, I will, I would never speak for someone that, you know, uh, comes from this background or has experience with uh, people that have downs. But I, I did get the, I did get the impression that she sort of um, followed suit with the rest of the characters and that they were extremely dramatic. They were, they're like Ryan Murphy likes to write in extremes on Glee. Um, and so if you're a Christian, then you're a Christian, 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 right? And all the jokes that come out of your mouth are about you being Christian, yada, 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 and like all of the things that juxtapose that. Um, if yeah. you're Rachel Berry and you way you are you're Rachel Berry right and I feel like with Becky Jackson it's she's she's a bitch and so she's going to be all the way a bitch because Ryan Murphy is no stranger to including um people with disabilities or people with uh down syndrome on the show uh there are characters that have been all throughout the uh 
American Horror that have downs and they are not as aggressive as Becky. I'm forgetting the name of the one in um an American Horror Story Coven. I want to say her name is Jen. That sounds familiar. That sounds correct. Um, yes. She is in no way like Becky. So um, thankfully, there's no we're not, we're not seeming to run into a pattern here when it comes to all of the characters that we've gotten a chance to get introduced to in the Ryan Murphy universe. I guess you were to. Yeah, and so. I mean, if you're going to give like a very basic level of like of uh, of acclaim or whatever, of like appreciation towards Ryan Murphy and, you know, whatever, for just in general, the fact that like, you know, they didn't do a great job in giving the character of like Artie to somebody who's actually disabled, but um, he does, you know, like we talked about the American Horror Story and then here on Glee, like give jobs occasionally to actors uh, with Down syndrome or maybe some other, uh, you know, disabilities along the way just of that are like, you know, maybe these Mm -hmm. people otherwise would have had a hard time getting jobs. That was also a part of one of the articles that I read that, uh, you know, it's not Mm -hmm. the easiest to be somebody with Down syndrome and get a job in this field. So, um, you know, there's uh, something there to uh, appreciate, I guess. But um, yeah, let's talk about Becky. She is obviously very nice and very sweet for about 10 minutes when we first meet her um, here in season one where she's uh, at the bake sale with Brittany and uh, she comes by to buy a cupcake and it's like, oh, she's so sweet. She tries out for the Cheerios and uh, immediately is going to be accepted onto the team, which we're going to, you know, find out a little bit more over time about why that is uh, for Sue because of, you know, the connection that she makes to her sister. Um, So she's going to spend, you know, season one, really, we're not going to see much of her, but she is going to be on the Cheerios and we see that Sue is treating her pretty special, Um, you know, but she's really just kind of part of the team. She's on the she she ends up on the scale at one point in Sue's office and Sue's like oh congratulations you're you know just like every other teenage girl in America obsessed with you know with vanity and you know worrying about your weight um it's so very sweet at first but over time as we get to season two and then three and then four five six we're gonna see that spending time with Sue is not going to make Becky necessarily a better person um it's going to establish a great relationship between her and another person you know being Sue that is going to be one that is like so strong all the way to the end of the show. But when you hang around Sue Sylvester, you might start to turn into Sue Sylvester and that's not exactly the best choice in life, but that's the, uh, that's the way that Becky ends up going. And, you know, over time we do end up getting Becky turning into essentially like a mini Sue. Yeah. So Becky definitely uh, begins to flourish in the environment that is Sue Sylvester in a lot of ways. I mean, I don't, I mean, it's it, it's interesting. It's like kind of like what came first, the chicken or the egg? Like, was Becky always like this? And it just kind of like took Sue to bring it out of her? Or did Sue have a lot of influence on Becky? And, you know, had Sue not been with Becky, it might have, you know, been a, a different story for how her personality seems to branch out. I don't know. Who's to say? Um, but I think one thing that remains clear is that because of the fact that Sue Sylvester has had a lot of experience with someone like Downs with her sister, um... She just, you know, she was able to create and curate an environment for Becky that made her feel comfortable enough to be herself, not just around Sue, but around everybody. And that's something that Mm -hmm. I've always, always really liked about the character is that she, the minute she is like, she blossoms out, it's like, you know, I mean, she'll she'll talk to anybody. She'll talk to anybody crazy. It doesn't matter who you are, whether you're Principal Figgins, whether you're, I mean, she'll talk to Sue crazy sometimes. So it's like, (laughs) I love it. Like one of my favorite lines ever from Sue Sylvester is, you're a bitch, Becky. <laughs> I just love that. 
Like, so yeah, the confidence definitely so grows within her to uh, to yeah. to be able to you know speak her mind at all times and uh, you know just spending more time with uh, with Sue that definitely just increases over time. Um, but we you know especially in these early seasons, it's going to be not to like seasons four, five, or six where things really pick up and we get to like see actual things happening within Becky's world. Um, but for the first couple seasons, it's really just her being by Sue's side. She ends up being like a bit of a messenger. Anytime somebody wants to, you know, Sue's like, I want to see this person in my office. She sends Becky to go get them because you know Becky doesn't have to be in class or anything she can just go be running all these uh, errands and whatnot of course when Sue's going to become principal especially in season two for like that brief period of time Becky the Becretary is going to be born as uh, Becky becomes uh, Sue's personal secretary taking over Donna's spot there uh, and kicking her out of her own job Um, so Donna's probably even more depressed now Uh, sorry to Figgins and you know his administration team Um, but Becky like takes everything pretty seriously at that desk you know if anyone comes in without an appointment she yells at them turns them away um she's just always there by her side uh she she you have op- an appointment <laughs> no they get out bitch um she dresses up as, as sue for halloween in season two like just obviously we see that there is a strong connection here she uh loves she she she's pretty much growing like a strong love for this person that she is uh you know bonding so much with and we're gonna see in season two why this bond is so strong because of as mentioned the connection that sue is making her sister also has down syndrome and unfortunately by the end of season two her sister does pass away um and that kind of creates a whole extra layer to this all as uh becky ends up actually getting kicked off the cheerios yeah um sue's uh older sister does end up passing she also has uh down syndrome and so that of course it's just going to remind her of of her sister every time that she's you know has to work with becky so she kicks her off the cheerios you know you know it's really it's really harsh and very transactional it's like hey becky just want you to know i want you to turn in your pom-poms and your, your megaphones to my desk by the end of the day after that i don't want to see you anymore which i feel like is kind of like inappropriate you know cheerios coach or not to say to a student, especially a student um, with Down syndrome, like, you can't just, like, excuse me. Um, but, yeah, we know it's because, you know, she's having a hard time dealing with her sister. Um, Becky's going to try and then join the Glee Club because she just wants to go to a play. I mean, she's, you know, I, I, I imagine that before Sue, before the Cheerios, she didn't really have a lot of people to talk to and a lot of, you know, clubs to really accept her. And then Sue was that one person that provided that atmosphere for her. So, of course, without that there, she just needs something to fill that void. Um, Mr. Shu, of course, is going to say no because they're, you know, they're already on the way to nationals and there's just not enough time to include one more member and it just wouldn't be fair and yada, yada, yada. Right. Um, but at the end of the funeral and everything, after the Glee Club does help heal Sue's heart a little bit, you know, she comes around and is like, you know, I'm sorry, Becky, that was really mean of me. Uh, I just, you know, I, you know, I want you to be heading at Cheerio next year, yada, yada, yada. And just it's a really touching moment between the two of them. And yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. um, So they end up being, you know, okay by the end of the season. Everything seems all right. And, you know, to start off season three, Becky and Santana are going to end up being co-captain of the Cheerios, which is going to be quite the dynamic. But um, yeah, it's a it's a tough struggle for uh, Sue to be around her for like that brief period of time. It's like, wait, I'm not ready to have this reminder around me at all times. But uh, as we are going to see for the rest of their time that they spend together, it does bring her a comfort to have Becky by her side. And uh, Becky, of course, like having somebody that is like her protector and her 
her person that is just always like she she never has to worry about feeling unsafe at the school. And I, I, th- I think she mentions uh, a couple times. I don't remember if it's like towards the beginning or the end about just, you know, con- uh, concerns that she has about, you know, being bullied because, of course, she's different and people look at her differently and they're going to make small comments to her in the hallway that are going to, of course, have an impact on her. But when she's has when she has Sue by her side, she's always with Sue. She never has to worry about any of that stuff. So that's why this mm-hmm. relationship is beneficial so much for both of them. Um, we also see in this season, uh, before we move away from season two, some early signs of uh, Becky and uh, how do I put this? Uh, Becky and her um, her desire for the human touch and the kiss and <laughs> and whatnot. Good job, good job. <laughs> um, we uh, we get her in uh, silly love songs, which uh, she she comes to Finn at the kissing booth, and she wants tongue, and he's like, "Here's a kiss on the cheek," and she's like, "Okay, that works," but uh, that's going to get a little bit more demanding over time. So, <laughs> and she's like, Ooh. <laughs> "Yeah, that's uh, that's some fun that we it. get to have with her." <laughs> I mean, look, I I feel like we all should take a leaf out of Becky's book. Like, if you like somebody, just say, just say hey, hey, I think you're sexy. Can I get some tongue? Maybe, well, maybe not asking to get some tongue, but hey, I feel like you should let people know that you like them a lot more often. I feel like the world will be a much better place. <laughs> yeah, why not? Uh, hold off on the tongue request until maybe like 2022, unless you're like sure about all these kind of things. But, you know, we'll see how all that plays out. But yeah, you could always learn something from Becky. And she's also, you know, we get some fun with her in the uh, the heckling club uh, during the Night of Neglect as she joins that club of everybody booing Tina and uh, others off the stage. Uh, a talent that she's going to really uh, take and cultivate. And uh, she's going to be a, a real good heckler for the entire rest of the show's run. Anytime it's needed. Yeah. Uh, get on with it. No, that's yeah. Or that's Rachel's dream. Never mind. Uh, I forget. No, what it, she but it's as I'm saying. She's she's gonna cultivate that skill for like the entire rest of the time. Anytime yeah. it's needed, she's uh, ready to yeah. hit the audience with some booze. She's she's learned from the best. Like yes. she made uh, she made Tina cry her eyes out. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's that's Becky. Got to be on her good side there. Um, we get, uh, in season three, we're going to get, of course, the iconic, uh, Becky, the, uh, the, in, what, what am I trying to say? The, uh, the narration from Miss Helen Mirren, who stops by to, uh, let us know what Becky's thinking as she's looking for a man and, you know, Rory, Mike, Puck, not everybody's good enough, but she does land, you know, on Artie there. And I don't have any of the audio pulled from that. We did play it on the, uh, episode audio, uh, like on that episode recap, but, uh, that is, uh, that's qu- quite the decision they decided to go with of like, can we get Helen Mirren down here to narrate Becky's thoughts? It's just, it's just iconic. The fact that her middle name is uh, Faye is just like slaying Becky me down. Faye Jackson. <laughs> I just love that so much. I, Becky Faye Jackson, am the hottest bitch at McKinley High School. I'm not only co-captain of the Cheerios, I'm president of the Perfect Attendance Club, and I've won a participation award in rhythm gymnastics. You may be wondering why I sound like the Queen of England. It's simple. In my mind, I can sound one, two, so lay off, haters. (laughs) Was that all from memory? Yes. (laughs) I'm impressed. I'm 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 not surprised because I feel like you're really good at that, but I'm impressed. She, uh, yeah, she's great. I think one of the things about Becky that I like a lot, too, is that she's very skilled. Like, uh, Sue was always asking her to do all these crazy tasks, and she's, like, on it. Like, she just knows exactly what to do. She goes to do it. It's like, uh, like, <laughs> like, Becky, go to my car and get me my flamethrower, and then get me mm-hmm. Gloria Allred. And she's out the door and knows exactly what to do. Like, 
She smashes yep. the bottle of champagne on the on the cannon. Like she's just always prepared. Yep. <laughs> for everything. I love it. Yeah, she's ready to go at all times. Um, but here we have uh, her sights are being set on. Uh, there's a boy that she is looking at, potentially interested in, and of course it is Artie Abrams. And uh, she's gonna come up to Artie and you know propose the idea of them spending some time together, hanging out. And he agrees. They end up going out on a date, and they kind of you know form a bond here about the fact that they both have you know a certain disability that you know makes them different from everybody else. And, uh, you know, as much as uh, Artie seems to enjoy spending time together, he's not ready for as fast as Becky's trying to make this go. Like she's out here, you know, telling them that, you know, we're about to, we're going to do it later or come over later this week. Or we're going to do it. Um, and I don't know if it's this episode, but at one point when she's like sending him nudes and, uh, he's like, hold on, hold on. I wasn't ready for all that. So that ends up not going anywhere. And Becky's pretty upset about it, but you know, Sue's going to inform, not inform her, Sue's going to remind <laughs> Becky, it's okay, you know, there's other boys, but she really does fall for Artie. Not Sue looking at the picture and saying she's got a cute little figure. Not that. <laughs> yeah, that happens. I, um, yeah, I, I like this storyline because I feel like it's sort of like inevitable, like, you know, uh, people with Down syndrome are just like everybody else. Like, they like people, you know what I mean? Um, and the fact that I thought it was interesting that she was attracted to someone else with a disability. I mean, I feel like on some level they felt like they, that she probably could relate to him, um, even though the disabilities are vastly different. But yeah, it's um, I like the storyline. I like the way that Artie handles it because it's realistic, but it's also kind. Like you can tell that Artie doesn't want to hurt her feelings. And he doesn't yeah. necessarily know what to do. And Sue's so just like, then you just you just have to treat her like everybody else. Just say no. You know what I mean? Like. Just because she has Down syndrome doesn't mean that she can't take rejection either. Just say no. And of course, Becky's not dumb. She knows that it's because she has Downs and it just, you know, she, that's something that she's going to have to deal with. And it's just, it's a sad part of her reality, but she does have Sue there to just, you know, help her get through it. And that's, um, I mean, I think that's all it really mm -hmm. is to it. I like the, I like the fact that the, the storyline is like very simple and they're not really trying to make that much of a statement. They're just trying to, you know, shed light on someone else's reality, you know, a, a reality that, a lot of us never really have to think about, but it exists every day. Yeah. And to kind of cut ahead, it's nice that, you know, this relationship is going to persist between the two of them of just the friendship because, uh, you know, and Artie has to like defend himself when the Glee Club comes to him and they're like, what are you doing with Becky? He's like, we're friends. Like, we just had a nice time together. Like, why are you getting all worked up about this? Um, but obviously this friendship between the two of them is going to persist. We go all the way, you know, just to cut ahead to season five for a second when it's time to figure out like, what are we doing next? Senior year is coming to an end and Becky doesn't know what she wants to do. Uh, Artie's the one who swoops on in and he's like, I'm going to help you out with this. Like, obviously you're having having a hard time making a decision, deciding what you want to do next. Becky confides in him about all of the fears that she has about, you know, moving on to a new school, a new place where like the bullying could come back since it's been like, you know, kind of uh, handled a bit here, especially with Sue by her side. But now like there's a whole new world that she is afraid to like dip her toes into. And Artie, you know, the whole, the whole way through, it's nice to see that he's like there for her. He's like, you have my number. I'm always available. Like I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to be your friend. Sue is going to be there for you. And, you know, even when Sue was, you know, having a hard time accepting as well that Becky might be moving off to a new uh, a new world. It's just nice that Artie's uh, always there for her. So I'm glad that they made that connection like as early as season three here and, you know, continued it for uh, all the way to season five. Yeah, it's 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 really nice um, that um, continues. I like the storyline as well. And I like that Artie is able to like realize like, Becky, you know, you can't stay here, right? Like, I know that Sue has been, you know, creating like this utopia for you here, but 
you know you can't stand you know you have to move on it just has to it has to happen i i had to deal with it at the beginning of this season you're gonna have to deal with it now so or yeah. I, I guess that was at the end of last season end of season four but yeah i like that i like that Yep. Uh, The way that the rest of season three is going to keep going is uh, we actually get a couple of uh, significant things for Becky here. Uh, She is going to, for the first of, uh, you know, one or two times in the show, going to go against Sue. Uh, She ends up going to Figgins and the Spanish teacher to make a complaint about how Sue has been not as focused on the Cheerios as she used to be, which we know, of course, is going on with uh, everything is like Sue's trying to, you know, conceive a baby uh, and uh, Becky's even helping her with the injections for her fertility treatments. Um, So she goes to Figgins and she's like, I don't think that Sue is as focused as she as she should be. And Sue finds out about it, of course, and realizes that Becky is the one who uh, was was giving Figgins that feedback. Uh, and she ends up not being mad about it. She's like, you know what, Becky, you're probably right. And, you know, they end up OK there. Um, but overall, the like the overwhelming part of the story ends up being that Sue found out news about her baby. Becky actually only heard news that the baby was a girl. So she was excited about that. But we also learned that uh, Sue got some test results back, that there were some irregularities in the test and uh, it does seem pretty likely that the baby is also going to have down syndrome yeah i mean it's no secret that you know the older that women get the more at risk they are for complications with surgery or surgery oh well that too that's with anybody um but um pregnancy (laughs) and uh yeah i mean it's you know it's no it's no shade to sue because you know anybody that wants a baby should be able to should be able to have one um but at some point i guess genetics sort of like played a factor here and um i mean i just i just i just view it as a series of blessings that's just how i like to see it for sue's character like you 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 had the blessing of having your big sister genie um um which taught you so much and then you having to take care of her really helped you as a person even though it doesn't necessarily show all the time and i guess this is more of a, a commentary on on sue than it is on becky but still um and then you lost your sister and you were granted with becky and now becky you know eventually cannot stay at the, stu- the, the school forever and then you get your daughter robin it's just like you wherever you go you're going to be surrounded by these these by these people that you have so much experience with so it just seems yeah you know just mm-hmm. yeah and as much as like I, uh, I think I don't know if I, I think I wrote it in my notes from time to time here and there. Like uh, sometimes you just wonder like what do Becky's parents think is happening at the school? Like they know how you know friendly she is with Sue <laughs> and how close she is with her. And, like, yeah, you know, I was going to make that point earlier when we were talking about her mom. Yeah, you know, asked, yeah. Yeah, so, like, we know that, like, you know, her parents must know that, like, Sue is there and, like, that Sue exists and that they have a good relationship. I'm Sue. I'm, I'm, sure, I'm Sue. I'm sure Sue probably is in contact with them every once in a while just to, I don't know, talk about whatever. Um, but, you know, you sometimes wonder about, like, uh, the fact that, like, Becky is having such a good relationship with Sue. It's like, I hope that everything is good at home, too. I'm sure it is. We have no reason to believe otherwise. But, like, the fact that this relationship grows so strong is, you know, worthwhile to yeah. know, think about all that. Yeah, I, but, I do wonder you know. what their what her parents are like. Are they just like, I mean, well, I mean, she seems happy. She seems good. It would have been nice to see like a bit of a relationship between Becky's parents and uh, Sue because I feel like that would have been the, the one thing, you know, narratively that would have, you know, made the relationship just a little bit less outlandish, right? Because, I mean, we talk about how much, how many crazy adventures the two of them go on. Like Sue and Becky could really have their own, their own spinoff series if they really were trying. Um, yeah. And it would have been nice for there to be like at least one funny scene where Becky's mom storms into Sue's office like, you had my daughter doing what? (laughs) And then Becky's in the background like, sorry, coach. (laughs) Yeah. If Becky like showed up at home in the Rock Lobster outfit and 
Mamas at that point, just like, okay, what is happening here? Like, isn't Becky supposed to be be, at college? Yeah, shouldn't you be in Cincinnati right now? Like, what are you doing with a lobster? (laughs) Like, what's going on? (laughs) Sue, what do you what do you still have her here for? Like, she's got to go back to school. I'm paying for her to be in school right now, and she's out here dancing in a lobster outfit uh, along to some Warblers numbers. Like, we got to move on. Yes, yes, that would have been that. That's definitely more for the fan fiction. (laughs) <laughs> um, to close out season three, Becky's uh, got the prom queen storyline. She wants to be prom queen, but throws a pretty big fit after realizing she wasn't even nominated. Um, you know, so shout out to the xylophones who you know can't flag up every xylophone that's going to get thrown over the course of Becky's time in Glee. There are definitely many. I'm sure there's a count out there uh, for the exact number. If I had to guess, I'd say like 17 xylophones that are damaged in the process of filming the show. Um, but yeah, so uh, she you know throws a, a, a bit of a t- tantrum there when she does not get nominated uh sue trying to calm her down but she's going to end up going to the anti-prom with rachel and puck and blaine and kurt and uh you know ends up getting the unofficial prom queen crown from puck there uh after everybody else leaves to go to prom. at that anti-prom <laughs> i mean yeah everybody she's the only else. one who's like making the suggestions to play some strip poker and uh puck is going to oblige uh, her on <laughs> rachel's that after, like becky afterwards. becky we talked about this inside voices please <laughs> <laughs> Just uh, shut up, bitch. I want to play strip poker with Noah Puckerman. I don't know what she says. But she, yeah, she gets the she gets the uh, anti-prom queen crown, whatever, and uh, she gets to go back to regular prom with Puck. They spike the punch bowl. So she has an, she ultimately has just a, uh, you know, perfect, perfectly good night. Mm-hmm. Perfect night. Yeah. And so, Puck is really cool there, too. Good for him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, nice moment between the two of them. Um, but time to get to season four, Becky's senior year. Of course, she is still by Sue's side. She is still, you know, making us laugh here and there. The Too Young to Be Bitter Club. She's a part of that group. Um, also, like, as we were, as I was going through the notes, I kept seeing notes about Jason. And I was like, who's Jason? But apparently, like, during the first prom in season two, uh, she's dancing with this guy, Jason. And then also at uh, the Too Young to Be Bitter uh, in the Sadie Hawkins dance, she's also dancing with Jason. And when Artie uh, and her did not work out sue made a comment of like you can always date jason again so like i didn't even ever pick up on the fact that like jason was a character that we should be following in her story but jason's there yeah i don't think we ever really see him unless it's at a dance right it's literally like, just at the I, dances yeah it, that's it they don't really make it known that there are other because does, does he even go to mckinley like i think so it feels like like i don't know why i've always been under the impression that becky was the only person with down syndrome at mckinley you know like because that like well, I don't, did jason like, have down syndrome into, I think so. If you're talking about the person that I think you're talking about, the person that she was dancing with at at Sadie Hawkins has Down syndrome as well. Yeah. Oh, I'm pretty sure it's the same person that she was dancing with in season two. I just never quite picked up on the details of that man because why? Why would I? But, you know, so, you know, she's fine, though. She gets to third base with him (laughs) and she's fine. The uh, club gets disbanded. So, you know, too young to be bitter no more. Um, but what else here in season four? She still got the crush on Artie. She gets to be the flower girl at Will and Emma's wedding where she's throwing flowers very aggressively down the aisle. So her alter that. ego is like the queen bee, I think. Mm-hmm. That happens in uh, yeah, the dynamic duets episode. Yeah. Um, feud is the first episode season four where we're going to get the first instance of Becky talking about gay Blaine. <laughs> yeah, she does slap his ass after he's uh, forced to join the Cheerios. I was like, oh, okay. And, like, when mm-hmm. they get named as co-captains, which I'm sure pissed off one of those senior girls. Like, are you fucking kidding me? Are you kidding me? Like, Becky gets to be captain, and now we get a, a, a co-captain who just got here? Like, yeah. oh, my God. <laughs> and, 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 and wasn't Kitty supposed to be captain as well? She said that she was the new head bitch at the beginning of the season. 
Oh my god, I can't wait to get to Sue's thing. <laughs> I've talked a lot about Sue's <laughs> episode. Becky's also the world's biggest Nicki Minaj fan, so that's a fun time. This one is for the boys with the boom assist and top down AC with the coolness system when they come in the club to be raising up. Guy stacks on deck because he's saving up. Any ill, he deal, he might get a deal. He got bottles and he got the right kind of bill. He go, he deal, he might go rock. You know, as a can, but he never fly coach. He motherfucking drip drips to the other ship shit. So that's fun. Um, Becky is uh, definitely got her eyes on Gabe Lane for uh, going into season five as well. But um, what else is happening here in season four? So we get uh, to a couple of episodes towards the end where we're actually going to start paying some extra special attention to Becky uh, when she's starting to uh, worry a little bit about what is next for her. And uh, we're going to get into actually this is where the article that I pulled is going to come into play because this is a pretty big uh, storyline for Becky that's really going to set into motion um, some like in the following seasons of like, okay, we're actually going to dive deeper into this character. Uh, Becky comes to Brittany about how you know concerned she is for the fact that it's time to graduate. Uh, it's scary to think about life, def- life after high school and Brittany's like, well, you're going to go to college like we all are. We have to. Um, Brittany's not worried because, you know, now that she's a genius she knows she can get in anywhere she wants to but Becky is worried she won't have the same luck so they, uh, she's, she's in her, uh, Sue's office later and uh, we are going to get this scene that tells us exactly what happened in Shooting Star. Yeah, so I'm I'm glad that they did this um, between Brittany and Becky because, I mean, obviously the two of them spent a lot of time together because they actually, wait, no, who the fuck is Head Cheerio? Because at the beginning of the season, Brittany it's not says Brittany. she's Head Cheerio. Like, who it's the not hell Brittany. is it? <laughs> at this point, it's Bla- uh, Becky and Blaine. Blecky. Oh, my God. Anyway, I'm glad that the two of them had this scene together because obviously they spent a lot of time together being on the Cheerios um, for the past, what three years now together um i guess yeah three um so and we but we never really get a chance to see them have a relationship we did get to see how her and uh, becky and santana have a relationship with one another um but never really too much with britney so that was nice and it it did feel very comforting and um the words that britney had for her like look like i have to go you have to go it is scary. I'm scared, too. Because, I mean, of course, Brittany does not have Down syndrome, right? So I'm not going to equate Brittany's um, predicament with Becky's. But I think the two of them share something very similar and that they think differently. You know, they just they're just they they just move to a different beat than most people. And it, yeah. sometimes it can be harder for them to fit in in new spaces that aren't filled with people that know who they are. And so the fact that the two of them were the ones that had that conversation, I really, really liked. But, yeah, we are going to mm-hmm. ultimately under... Uh, uh, you know, see what happens here. And because I, mean, I guess the, the conversation with Brittany wasn't enough to quell her fears, Becky does end up um, going to Sue and talking about how she doesn't want to leave. And if she does have to leave, she's going to have to be able to protect herself because without Sue there, it's it's extremely scary. So she brought a gun with no intent to use it. I think that she was just there to show Sue, like, look, I, I'm scared. Like, I, I, didn't, I feel like I need this. Sue's going to try to calm her down. Becky ends up dropping the button or the button, dropping the gun and then firing off a round, um, which, of course, you know, sends this whole into lockdown. Sue and all for Becky here. Yeah, um, a pretty big episode that ultimately, you know, as, as much as we're, you know, we, we criticize it for what it is, um, when we're here talking about Becky, you know, her character and everything about how it pertains to the, like, the uh, depiction of this character on the show and whatnot, like, 
this was this was a big choice that they made of making this person, mm-hmm. this character, the, the character with Down syndrome be the one that brought a gun to school because you spent so much time invested into this character's growth and like to show the show the audience like the perception of Down syndrome that they had might not be what it what it is. Like they are just like everybody else that want to go around and get some tongue and just, you know, have a personality and you know, there's more to them than maybe you would expect. Um, you know, obviously a lot of that being a jokey way, but then they take it and they become it becomes this serious thing. And I can imagine imagine like maybe young kids watching thinking that like do i now have to be afraid of everybody at down syndrome in my school because they might bring a gun like taking this specific character and doing that like just adding on to like the bad choices that they made into that episode it's a perspective that i don't even know that i had or thought about when we watched it i mean hopefully maybe we did um but like we're just so wrapped up in the insanity of that episode but let me just go to this article here that i pulled um it is from uh, disabilityscoop.com it's written by michelle diamond on april 12th 2013. Uh, and what she wrote is about uh, episode aired Thursday night. Gunshots are heard during Glee Club practice, prompting a lockdown. Viewers learn that Becky Jackson, a student with Down syndrome, who is played by actress Lauren Potter, brought a gun to school and shots were fired accidentally. Potter's mother, Robin Sinkhorn, told the Huffington Post that she took no issue with the character with Down syndrome being the one to bring a gun to school. Uh, quote, if Becky's going to be fully included on the show, which they've done such a good job about that and giving her these juicy storylines, then why not, Becky? Her mother said, whether she has Down syndrome or not, it doesn't matter. Why would somebody with Down syndrome, um, why wouldn't it be somebody with Down syndrome because she's a kid? She's a teenager. She makes stupid decisions just like other teenagers do. But, uh, end quote, but not everyone feels the same way. Officials from the National Down Syndrome Society called it a poor choice to depict Becky bringing a gun to school. Uh, quote, acting like every other teenager in doing things like sports and going to college. Those are great things to portray for Becky, said Julie uh, Savalos, vice president of marketing for the organization. Uh, quote, taking a gun to school is something very serious and would likely come from a mental health condition. That's not appropriate for someone with Down syndrome and not a stigma they need. Uh, meanwhile, common from viewers on Twitter criticized the characterization for being disgraceful and seriously lame. Uh, quote, thank you, Glee, for setting Down Syndrome awareness and acceptance back light years. Some people now see our kids in an even worse light, wrote one viewer known as T1... Uh, T21ASD mommy on Twitter. Uh, Glee creator Ryan Murphy, however, said in a tweet that the episode is the most powerful emotional Glee ever. So, yeah, again, I don't remember specifically if we had that um, perspective when we were watching the episode, but just to like tie it all in here, uh, talking about Becky. Yeah, that does when you put it all that way. And like, that's why we want to hear perspectives from people who are a lot closer to the matter than we are. Um, it's, it's a big, a big deal to do that. Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely can understand that viewpoint because I mean, it's, it's like, you know, other disenfranchised communities, right. Where, excuse me, where you, um, you put them in a situation that it can be looked at as like, Oh, is this how all of them behave? You know, the one distinction that I want to reiterate, though, is that I don't think that Becky brought the gun with the intent of actually hurting anybody at McKinley. I think she brought that gun there because she wanted to talk to Sue about how she because she pulls the gun out with Sue. She doesn't pull the gun out, you know, randomly in the hallway. I think that she feels safe at McKinley. That's why she wants to stay at McKinley. The safety issue was never at McKinley. It was once she left. And she decided, you know what, let me talk to Sue about this because I don't know. I think I feel I, I need for someone to take me seriously. here. I don't think that anybody understands that I don't want to leave. Like, I'm scared. I'm scared for my life. I'm scared mm-hmm. for how people are going to to treat me once I leave here. And yes, I can I can I can understand that even that still is like 
does every person with Down syndrome, whenever they, you know, when they get on the bus by themselves, when they go to the store by themselves, are they going to be, be you know, are they going to bring a gun because they're afraid of people bullying them? Like, that's not a good um, narrative to send out about people with Down syndrome either. So I, I can understand that. But I just wanted to make that distinction because I don't want this to be characterized as the shooting episode that Becky started because Becky brought a gun to school to shoot somebody. That was never what she was going to do. She just wanted to talk to Sue. So, yeah, and I, I totally understand what you're saying. I, I do think the general like point of of all of what they're saying, you know, just the fact that this person brought a gun to school, and obviously, uh, in any stage of life, not just like you know me being a kid or something like anybody being a kid watching the show, you see a gun in somebody's hands, especially on a TV show, and you're like, okay, something bad's about to happen. Um, so I totally agree that you know Becky's intention and, and everything you I just mean, said it's, there, it's just you know, it's just you I see think, the gun I, and you're like, something bad is happening here. Right. I still think that overall it's a bad decision and it's just another reason as to why this episode really just doesn't land that well because it's a real bait and switch, right? Because I think we talked about Mm -hmm. this at the time we were doing the episode that this was around the same time that the whole thing with like Unique was going down and so we thought it seemed like they were trying to advertise it as Unique is the one that brought the gun or, uh, or maybe Ryder brought the gun because of the whole catfishing incident. So it's just like it it's and then you 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 throw it all on Becky for uh for a hypothetical not even like a real life life or death situation and then making it an accident it just seems very very it doesn't it, like it's it's one thing because it's like okay that doesn't necessarily happen with people with down syndrome and that's also not necessarily how it goes down in schools when somebody is bringing a gun to school they usually are doing it to hurt somebody because they 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 yeah. they are fed up with whatever shit they are putting up with at that school or like like the the article said, it's someone with mental health issues, right? So mm-hmm. it's just not the whole episode is just not good. So and the fact that Becky sort of has to be the one to take the fall for it is kind of like that's it's kind of messy. Yeah, and then they end the episode going back to Coach Beast putting together a dating profile because that's how you know seriously they felt the episode was. Right. Uh, Ryan Murphy out here talking about the most emotional episode of the show. Like what, you're a mess. Um, so that's, you know, what happens there. And of course, over the rest of the season, uh, Sue is going to be gone from the school. So Becky is spending, you know, her, her seemingly last days at McKinley now without Sue. Uh, she's being stuck with coach Roz, who does not like Becky very much. Roz thinks that Becky is Sue's fully grown uh, 16 year old baby. And, uh, the dynamic between the two of them is nowhere near what it was with her and Sue. Uh, and, uh, Roz wants to get to the bottom of what happened with the gun because something fishy's going on. They can tell, uh, you know, I don't think exactly like if, if this was Sue, she would be trying to get away with it she wouldn't have just fessed up to it and you know whatever so uh you know becky seems a little suspicious about what's going on even blaine's going to confront her and be like do you know anything more about what happened uh and becky's like mind your own gay business blaine like no one asked you (laughs) but in here um as she's you know shoving people down the hallway because obviously she is carrying a secret having a hard time keeping it to herself but you know and then she eventually decides to use racism against coach Roz washington as a means to get sent to the principal's office just yes. so that she can confess her sins the principal figure it's like why didn't you just go to figure she's like i didn't think of that mm-hmm. yep <laughs> um sue comes by the school to like watch practice and becky's like you have to come back and she's like i really don't think i want to i don't miss any of the cheerios i don't miss anything here my life is fine now uh but becky no is going to take matters into her own hands uh like you said with a hint of racism to uh throw on to ross washington to confess the truth about what happened which of course we're going to see ends up leading to her getting about a one month suspension which is pretty much you know not the worst she could have you know asked for or whatever yeah I, uh, that's not how that works you get expelled like you bring a gun to yeah, school you're I done would assume so yeah <laughs> You're out of here. 
but she uh, she does you know stick around. So she, after she she gets her suspension, she will come back, and Sue's going to be back as well after all of that gets sorted out. But like, I mean, Roz Washington thinking that that was Sue's sixteen year old baby will never not be funny. So like, just <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> I thought your daughter had Down syndrome. <laughs> She does. My daughter does have uh, Down syndrome. And also my late sister also had Down syndrome. And yes, Becky. Jo- so your daughter, your sister and Becky, everybody got Down syndrome. What? Yes. <laughs> uh, I love her. Um, uh, Becky's going to come back to school in season five in the Katie or Gaga episode. Uh, very upset that Katie and Artie are now dating because uh, I had Artie first, biatch. You're getting my sloppy seconds. Oh, snap. Um, and uh, she's going to help Sam in getting the word out about the Gaga performance, getting into costume there. Becky loves getting into costume. She loves a good costume. So I know. She's yeah. always around for like, the cost. Like whenever the Glee Club is like doing stuff, she's always like doing it with them. <laughs> yeah. yeah, she wanted to get into the club, but it didn't end up happening. And now she kind of accepted that she wasn't going to be in there. But she's still down to, you know, dress up with them in the, in the dynamic duets episode and this uh, Rock Lobster. She's down to get into costume anytime. Uh, the, the Jesus baby Jesus in season five as well. She's going to, uh, get into some costume, but what else? Uh, so she's back at school. She's back at her Becretary desk, back up to her usual antics and, uh, you know, keeping the bad guys out of Sue's office as Sue is now back in the principal spot. Um, and, uh, what else, anything else for, for you from the episode that we already kind of talked about when Artie is going to come help her out. Uh, we kind of already Mm -hmm. touched on it, but, uh, moving out, anything else for you from there? Um, yeah, not, nothing really, nothing really from that. Um, just, I, 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 I appreciate that episode a lot. Yeah. Sue is definitely, you know, not the happiest that uh, Becky's about to go off to college and Artie wants to help her out. And, you know, after Becky takes a visit to that school, she ends up feeling a lot better about things, feeling a lot, you know, a lot less afraid than she was. And, uh, you know, she comes back to school all excited and Sue's happy to hear that it went well. So the two of them get to work on Becky's application and, you know, Becky's uh, heading off to school sooner or later. So, you know, it's going to be time to break up that pair, but not really because then she's just going to be there the whole season six anyway. So, and what better way to send someone off to school, but none other than a senior lock-in that gets canceled, but then three people sneak in anyway. And then she follows them inside (laughs) crashing the party. Yes. Uh, trio, uh, trio when they have the, uh, the lock-in and Becky is going to, uh, have one, I guess, final opportunity. I mean, in the previously unaired Christmas episode, she's trying to make out with both Sam and Tina. Um, and you know, Blaine here which as really well. So she's trying suit. to get through the night. Yeah. Which really follows suit from unaired Christmas because that's like, she's, you know, trying to slob the two of them down in that episode too. So she really just has an infatuation with Tina and Sam. It's very yeah. strange. <laughs> Yeah, she's really just trying to get something going here, trying to get some action anywhere that it can, anywhere that can come. Um, so that's uh, that's happening there. Um, we also have uh, in this part of the show where uh, she is going to end up being a little scarred from uh, uh, some noises that she hears coming from the faculty bathroom. That happens here in season five. Uh, <laughs> I really need that as a reaction gif when she is just sitting at the desk, just traumatized in silence yeah <laughs> because that is like but that has been my mood for all of 2020 just like uh <laughs> yeah she is scarred for life uh sue tells will and emma when they come into her office and you see her just out out at her desk like oh man she is messed up she is not doing well after seeing and hearing what she did which is funny because like i mean becky's such an advocate for you know sex <laughs> you would think <laughs> right she... you know that's a good point it's like does she know what it looks like <laughs> Because that's what it looks like, girl. 
Like, are you sure you want this? <laughs> and she's made comments before about potentially being uh, somewhat attracted to Will, like maybe once or twice. So, like, to see what she saw, I mean, I don't know if she would have been. Uh, she, she uh, Whatever, she's traumatized. It's fine. <laughs> you know, Will and I are trying to have a baby. Oh, God, why? <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, she's going to end up at the uh, lock and flirting with Gabe Lane for a bit because, of course, uh, no obstacle gets in her way. Uh, no potential sexuality issues are going to stop her while Tina and Sam are off making out. But she doesn't really ever, you know, get anywhere with that. But that's fine. And then, you know, just the rest of season five, she's hanging out by Sue's side for the remainder of the year. Uh, is going to go off to graduate with the rest of the seniors. And we get a very nice hug between Sue and Becky on the oh, stage no, as she gets her diploma. So sweet. It's so sweet. I love that. Any kind of Becky and Sue content is just so great. Yep. Uh, what about <laughs> Becky and Rachel content? <laughs> I mean, yeah, that has its its charm. <laughs> I was just so happy that, you know, we get to the end of season five, we're in the New York era, and we still get to have at least one episode of Lauren Potter uh, for a brief scene there as she uh, is in Rachel's nightmare. I really wanted Becky to, to come with Sue to see uh, her opening night. I mean, obviously, it was more of a Sue storyline and, you know, Sue having a night out on the town and everything, which was nice, which I really liked. But I still feel like they could have squeezed, you know, having Becky in there. Like, maybe Becky, maybe Becky, you know, stayed at the hotel and, like, caused Ravik in the, or in the hotel. Or maybe she, you know, went to Ridge's apartment and caused Havoc there. Like, I don't know. I just would have loved some Becky in, in New York content. That would have been fun. Oh, yeah, that would have been a lot of fun. Um, it's, uh, you know, we're still going to get more of her in season six. But if she was able to come to New York for one episode, just randomly show up, bump into somebody in the streets of New York and end up hanging out with them for the whole day. Oh, please. If Becky was in like the Mary Halloran right of Rachel's life. Oh, please. Like, yes. give me that. <laughs> give me that. Uh, or Becky was the, the one uh, that actually ends up being the mugger <laughs> on the train for Artie. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Anything, anything. I'm going to take it, any of it. Becky shows up when Artie gets his STD and uh, we find out that she gave it to, okay, we don't have to go that far. But uh, <laughs> something like that. Um, season six, Becky is going to stop on home for homecoming and, uh, you know, she's taking her role right back, going into Sue's office, getting on the loudspeaker, telling everyone, you know, I'm going to taser you if you're not wearing McKinley colors. Also, nobody go make out under the bleachers. That is my spot. Um, but the big story here is going to be as, uh, Becky's got a new man in her life and she needs some help from uh, both Tina and Quinn and, uh, Sue as well, really to, uh, to make sure that they're all cool when this guy shows up and also to kind of help her cover up a lot. Yeah, um, she has told that she has sold him a bill of goods like she is really the queen of England now because she doesn't been the president of every single club. She can sing. She can dance. She's 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 everything. Um, And she wants the Glee Club to help her with this one lie about the singing because that's the one thing that I guess she actually can't do. And so she's going to enlist the girls to like help her out. And the girls are like, you should just be honest with him. Like, I'm sure he'll like like if he likes you, then. He likes you. And they're all like gung-ho about it until they meet the guy and they realize that he does not have Down syndrome. So they're like, what the hell is this guy without Down syndrome dating this girl with Down syndrome, Down syndrome for like, what is going on? They think it's weird. They think it's, they think it's strange. They all contact Sue and then Tina, Sue, coach, and the other coach all going to get up in this guy's face in her office. <laughs> Yeah, which uh, kind of is like another, or not not even another necessarily, like one of the only times where they actually address uh, Becky's Down syndrome as like, you know, as it relates to 
other aspects of her personality and other aspects of like her day-to-day life because of course this is all about uh the fact that daryl here is uh potentially and becky are having sex and they're like is that that's not right like that's so that's that's just not whatever um and you know we're getting into here as we're, we're in the closing hours of lee touching on all of the you know all of the important things here with to just be like can people with down syndrome have a normal sex life yes they can but mm-hmm. we have to make sure that everybody knows about it uh, or you know have to make sure that everybody is as ignorant as possible about it before we get there i mean i mean i can't say that i wouldn't be oh you know what these kids are not in high school anymore are they they're also supposed to be college educated at this point no two mm-hmm. of them are not in high school anymore and two of them are old uh, like uh, like sue knows all about uh you know everything how what more does sue need to know about the experience well i mean of i Down understand syndrome? sue i do understand sue given her sister and like all of the shit that she had to protect her sister from i get the suspicion there which I guess, you know, it's easy to it's easily transferable on the rest of the kids. But I still feel like I mean, no, I take your point. I take your point. It's- no. And, and I, I get what you're saying, too, is like Sue definitely just is overprotective of Becky in all aspects of life. So, like, you know, the fact that she and but she's also kind of the calmer one there. Right. And that whole situation like Tina and Quinn come in hot uh, while uh, while uh, Sue <laughs> so is sitting at the desk. Like, what are you doing? What do you think you're doing? What are you doing? <laughs> what is the problem? The problem is you're dating Sue's daughter with Down syndrome. Oh, my God. Coach Still Ron. has not gotten it through her head. <laughs> not my daughter. She's merely my best friend and confidant. I thought your daughter had Down syndrome. Yes, she does. So let me get this straight. <laughs> your daughter, your sister, and your best friend all have Down syndrome. What? <laughs> Yeah, um, Becky in this episode, of course, is also, you know, lying to him. So she's got to go uh, try to get a performance going with uh, the so far away performance that is not going to end up going well. So she ends up, you know, running off from that performance before she can sing a, sing a single note. She runs off, you know, very upset about the fact that she lied. And now what is he? Is he going to like me anymore? And all the girls come to comfort her and they're like, Becky, you need to you need to relax. Take a step back. You know, you found a guy that likes you for you, which is probably not going to be the easiest task because of how like how you act and how like uh you know how mean you are in general so you found a guy that likes you for you you should probably uh you know not don't lie to him you know just just ha- have fun enjoy the experience enjoy him um so they do go out to breadsticks together she comes clean about all of her lies and he's not surprised uh to find out that she wasn't actually the club uh, the, uh, the club wasn't actually the president of like every club that she said she was um and you know they kind of she just also locked in their relationship told him about being uh having down syndrome either which I just love. She also didn't <laughs> mention that. So uh, when she comes out about that and comes clean to him that she does in fact have Down syndrome, he is very happy that she was uh, able to tell him. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> First, I have Down syndrome. Yeah, Becky, I kind of figured. Okay, good. <laughs> yes, Becky, you better not have to come out. You better not freaking have to reveal your status, bitch. I love it. <laughs> But these two are really nice for each other, right? Like, this is a good pair. Obviously, he seems to really like her. Uh, she seems to really like him. And uh, as far as we can see, there is no, you know, strange uh, intentions think, or anything like that from this guy. As far, I mean, as, you know, all of the aggressive and uh, aggressive bitchiness aside, Becky is really funny. Like, she's, she's just funny to be around and she's sweet and nice. And like, so, hey, hey, I'm not mad at the bro. Yeah. Doesn't he like she like makes him laugh at the uh, at breadsticks with like something about the what they'd ordered or something like she knocks a good laugh at him. Like, right. And he's like, I like you. (laughs) It's just, yeah, it sounds like a match made in heaven. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And then uh, we're going to go into the rest of the season and uh, just see a little bit of dissension between her and Sue. Uh, Sue's going to show her the Hurt Locker where 
what the hell is happening there. Um, so she shows Becky everything in there. She also tells her about how she's thinking of retiring. Uh, Becky's still hanging around in Ohio, even though obviously she should be back at school by now. Um, but we get to the rise and fall of Sue Sylvester, and we're going to see a pretty interesting dynamic between these two as Sue comes under fire. And a lot of it is going to kind of be because of Becky. Yeah. Um, so Becky is the one that sort of decides to be the whistleblower here out Sue for all of the crazed shenanigans that, uh, she's been doing over the past, I don't know, five seasons, six seasons. Um, it's really, really bad. Um, the last straw for her was when the, uh, Dalton Academy burned down and the Warblers weren't allowed to join the Glee Club. Um, that was just it for Becky. She just couldn't believe, how could you be so mean? Like, what's the point? Like, why are you being like this? Like, just let them join the club. I guess, you know, after not being under Sue as much, even though technically she really is as present as she usually is, even though she's supposed to be in Cincinnati. Um, maybe like, maybe it was Daryl. Maybe him being there to sort of like show him the show her the error of Sue's ways. She was like, no, you know what? No, so you're being a bitch. Like, what are you doing? Let those kids, let Gay Blaine and the rest of those gay warblers join the New Directions, who are also gay. Like, I just let just let them do it. And so, yeah, she outs Sue Sylvester, and it ends up in Sue being like the first Glee character to ever be canceled. <laughs> Yeah, um, as far as like public opinion and all that kind of stuff goes, yeah, it's uh, a pretty big moment for for the two of them here in like the literal final hours of the show. Um, Becky taking a big stand against Sue because the time has finally come. She has had enough. She turns on Sue. She's not, you know, she's she's had enough. Um, and we already had seen, you know, one other earlier point where she turned on Sue by going to Figgins about, you know, Sue's not all in it right now. But like, this is a bigger deal uh, on the bigger like national stage that she's uh, revealing this information about. So yeah, she comes to the Cheerios being like, don't let Sue control you. You deserve better. And Sue just cannot believe that this is happening. And uh, I remember, you know, when we watched it, you were like, it really, you know, I wish that there was more of like a resolution to this because what we do end up getting in the finale episode is they do reunite, they do run into each other's arms, and she apologizes, Becky, that is, for what she said and how she, you know, she's so sorry that she did that to Sue. And Sue's like, no, mm -hmm. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Like, I treated you like this and I, I made all these poor decisions. Like, it's my fault. So, you know, it ends up being okay in the end, but such a strange, random, like, you know, they were obviously going for, you know, a little mini arc between that last couple of episodes. Right. So it's almost like a movie, like a, a movie that has nothing to do with the main plot of the episode um but it's still pretty insane yeah i mean we, we talked about it already but just reiterating here they should have made this a season-long thing because it just seemed so weird to come jammed packed at the end and then very very quickly resolved like she had i mean becky really fucked sue up here like sue was like losing her job like she was like she was not in a good way and it was because becky decided to blow the whistle so if there had been much more of a build-up to like becky and sue having a bit of a falling out which could have cleverly it would have started with daryl if they really wanted to go that route and you know mm -hmm. sue not trusting him that would have been the perfect situation to have them fall out um but yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I like the fact that there is some some real friction between the two of them because the relationship is very easygoing most of the time, except for the thing when, you know, she brought a whole gun to school. But even then, you know, it gets glossed over mm -hmm. really quickly because she takes the fall for her. So, yeah. Yeah. Um. So, you know, we're going to go to Dreams Come True, the finale episode. And in 2020, you know, 
last year, I guess. Uh, Becky is now working as Vice President Sue's bodyguard, who takes her job very seriously, as Vice Secretary can tell you. The Vice Secretary is in office, and uh, you know any administration that has Becky Jackson in, I think I can d- get down with. Even though Sue is Vice President, probably not the best thing for our country, especially given who she has supported in years prior. Um, but. I'm happy to see Becky working. I'm happy to see Becky, uh, you know, taking her job seriously, probably getting a good paycheck and whatnot. So Becky's life seems to be going well. And, uh, you know, that's just where things are going to get left off there for our queen, Becky Jackson. I mean, a fitting end. A political future definitely seems quite uh, quite apropos for one Becky Jackson. I feel like she's very capable of changing hearts and minds, whether it be through intimidation or just uh, being the, the, the queen bitch that she is. So... Yes. Yeah. I'm all about it. I, I, I'm all about it. Let's take a look. I have a, a video here for Becky as well. The video title is um, five, uh, Becky, Becky Jackson being a queen for five straight minutes. So you can find this on YouTube if you wanted to watch along. But let's play this here and uh, check out some of Becky's highlights from uh, all six seasons of Glee. Yes. I, Becky Faye Jackson, am the hottest bitch at McKinley High School. I'm not only co-captain of the Cheerios, I'm president of the Perfect Attendance Club, and I've won a participation award in rhythm gymnastics. You may be wondering why I sound like the Queen of England. It's simple. In my mind, I can sound like whomever I want, so lay off, haters. Okay, let's get reels. I could easily snag any dude east of the Mississippi, but I'm extremely picky. For instance, Rory grins too much, he looks like an insane person. Is that a mohawk, Puckerman, or did someone glue a squirrel to your head? No, Changdu, I'm no rice queen. Now that's more like it. Sweet, sexy, and handy-capable like me. With a voice as velvety as my favorite Sunday church dress. It's decided. Artie Abrams, you're my new boyfriend. Your fat ass is all mine. Fine, my loser. Is that like saying bad words, babe? Well, that's amazing. Shut up, I know. I brought him home to Lima so he can meet my parents. Okay, so what's the problem? Bitch, the problem is that I lied to him. I told Dale that I was the president of every club at school. <laughs> Becky, that's an insane web of lies. I know, horror, but that's not the worst part. I told him that was an equally club. Wait, why would you tell him that? Because he was in Greek club in high school, and I want to impress him by my singing voice. You gotta let me sing in any Greek club when Daryl comes to school tomorrow. Becky, we will do whatever it takes to help you. Thanks, Kitty. Jackson, you've done it. You're at senior prom with a crown on your head and a hot piece of booty on your arm. And for once in my life, I don't mind everybody staring at me. Game on, beautiful. Oh, for this, Pokemon. Becky, 
I don't care which dope we crown here tonight, you are truly the queen of this joint. Thanks, coach. Oh my god, is that night for the Raptors? Oh, I knew I should have done another security sweep. I don't see anything. Usually it's the red glasses, coach. Good idea, Becky. I don't see anything. How long have Sam and Tina been gone? <sighs> Who cares? Tina is boring. I hate Sam's haircut. It makes his forehead look too big. You know what? I'm gonna walk this cramp off. Okay. When you come back, I'll be here. I can have some words. I'm going to call it soon. I don't have time for your lame ass bull crap. <laughs> I can't hear you, Ching Ching. I'm too busy drinking my 11-hour energies. Oh, yeah, baby. Don't you think you need to slow down a little bit on the energy drinks there, Becky? I mean, by the way, how'd you even get in here? I climbed through the window, fool. It's time for Twister. Every time you fall down, you drink one of these. Becky will die. Woo! Party in the USA! Right, that, that sounds really fun. Um, but we were thinking that we would just do our own thing tonight. Speak again, Gabe Blaine. If you don't play Twister with me, I call in a cop. Oh, Dad! Is that your boyfriend? Artie? Hell no. He got herpes. Ew. Just for the record, I don't have herpes. Becky, I think you're very funny and very beauty. Tell me something I don't know. Oh, snap. <laughs> Becky, would you like to stay and watch the class for a while? Yeah. You can't sit next to me. Okay, whatever. Are you threatening me? Uh, yeah. Get moving, Biatch. So if you ever tell me what to do, I will end you. Bring it, sandbags. Bring it, sandbags. What a queen. <laughs> An appropriately titled uh, video there. Becky Jackson being a queen for five minutes. Yeah, <sighs> some of her best lines in there. Not everything included, but I'm glad it actually did end up having the uh, the Helen Mirren narration. So I'm just now realizing like the joke behind her saying that Artie has uh, herpes only for him to get chlamydia like a few episodes later. Yeah, was that planned? Do you think you think that was planned? I, I hadn't quite put thought into it, but that would make sense. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> I'm mad that Becky didn't show up at the gay wedding. I don't know what that's all about. She had an invite, but she did not go. Yeah, that is kind of strange because her and Santana and Brittany at that point were pretty close. So that's it's really strange, actually. Yeah, they, were, they were good. Yeah. Maybe because Sue wasn't invited, she was like, I'm not going to go. But then Sue ends up weaseling her way over there, so... Right. She could have taken Becky, but I guess anytime she goes out of state or anywhere she needs to go, uh, Sue's not taking Becky with her. So that's great. Some friend you are, Sue. Maybe she actually had to, you know, attend classes at that point because she hadn't been up until that point. <laughs> yeah, that's true. 
Um, so that's Becky Jackson. Of course, again, one of my favorites of all time. One of my favorite characters. I don't know about my top four. I think my top four currently looking uh, like there are. Uh, no, she still could sneak in at number four. I just I'm a big fan um, on even on a show about people that have, uh, you know, they're all singing out here and whatnot. Becky obviously is never going to be in that category, but still uh, a lot of fun for the time that we spend with her. So I'm glad we sat down to uh, spend some time with Becky and uh, can't wait to continue watching Glee until forever the rest of my life so I can keep watching Becky. Definitely one of the best characters ever. Like, I feel like there's no replacing Lauren Potter if there ever was a Glee reboot. Like, I just don't see anybody ever being able to top this performance. Just amazing. Um, yeah. I uh, Blessings to Lauren Potter for blessing us with all of her talent. We love her. We love Becky. Just fantastic. Blah, blah, blah. What a queen. So... That is, I think, what we have for you guys today for Principal Figgins, for Becky Jackson. Uh, plenty more where all this came from, so check out whatever's next in your feed, or maybe this is the end of your feed. Who knows where it's at? But uh, that's what we have for today. Make sure that you're following us on social media in all of the different places that you can do so, which are... You can follow us uh, on Twitter and on TikTok at Pod. You can follow us individually. I'm Adam on Adwin. Matt's at Matt Ligori. Make sure that you are giving us star ratings and reviews wherever you get your podcasts. We can read them aloud on the show. Thank you to any of the donations that we have gotten recently on the PayPal account. You can always reach us there as well at what is it? PayPal. PayPal.me slash choir room podcast as uh, yes, I've been tweeting about yeah. lately and uh, we've been uh, just upgrading equipments, having some tech issues and whatnot. So just anybody that's enjoying all of this stuff coming out, uh, if yeah, you have any, cool uh, if you have anything extra that you'd, uh, you know, uh, be able to chip in to us being able to bring you this content as we continue on through all these different character studies, always much appreciated. So thank you guys. Mm hmm. All right, guys. Well, until next time, we will glee you later. In lesbians. In lesbians. In lesbians. In lesbians. In lesbians.